I am your host, Lucas. You hatch. And as always, I've got my fine host. His name is Charlie Cullen the First. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Do you like the intro today? I mean, well, yeah, I'm, is, is the first necessary? It is. Kind Charlie Carlin would have just done, but yeah, fair enough. Thank you. That was nice. You're welcome. You're welcome. you got to have a bit of pride to your name, but a bit of pride to your name. But yeah. how are you doing on this fine? It's the weather in the UK, London area, isn't too bad today, actually. It's not yeah, so, so not, bad. Not Listen, too bad, yeah. It's not overcast. Well, it is kind of overcast. It is, it is sunny in areas, but I hear in Manchester it's pissing down, so I think we're blessed with the southern weather. But anyway, let's kick into the show. And um, yesterday was... The first time in 16 years that Leeds are going back to the Premier League. Um, West Brom lost to Huddersfield Town, which means Huddersfield Town are in the Championship next year. And West Brom could have bottled their chances of automatic promotion. Because Brentford are only one point behind West Brom at the moment. And they are literally playing now against Stoke City, who Stoke City haven't had the greatest time in the championship. Stoke Stoke have been, like, sort of floating around the relegation, and Brentford, they might steal that second automatic spot from West Brom. Mm. Which, even that, that'd be fucking amazing. It would be. be. People people are talking about the, uh, the excitement of... Leeds being back in the Prem after all these years, which is really cool, but I also really like the idea of, like, Brentford, which is like, yeah, they're a London club, but they're not even one of the bigger London clubs. They're still relatively small for a London club. Yeah. You know, until the stadium rebuild, it was one of the smallest stadiums, I think, in the UK, like, for that level anyway. Um, Yeah, I think even Bournemouth's smaller than Griffin Park. I think, yeah, the Vitality is smaller than Griffin Park, but, yeah, it was a, it was a, an old old stadium, Griffin Park, and it's a been, pub on each side. Yeah, which I love. It's yeah, it's fantastic. But I drive past the new stadium pretty much every day, and it does look fantastic. If you go on the A4 over the Brentford flyover, it's it is actually looks really good. And hopefully next but, year they can christen it right by being in the Premier I think League. It's, you know, I think it's cool. Just like a, yeah, a club of that sort of size, and you know, I don't think. I can't even like the last time like you know Brem had ever been in the Prem like this I might be the first th- time. Th- yeah, I don't think they've ever been to the Premier League. Um, so there you are. That's a first time kind of big deal for that club to make it to the Premier League. Yeah, it is. Uh, but with Brentford, it's I've always been a big fan of Brentford personally, um, just because of the way the club is itself, and it all stems back from the owner um, Matthew Benham who. Who actually is a very? It, there's a story about Matthew Benham. He's actually made his money from gambling. He's got a formula where he he you he 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 picks the odds 
that he thinks are the right odds and he compares it with the actual bookies odds. And if there's a massive correlation where he sees, well, they're offering me so much when I think it's this much, he'd slap down loads of money on it and he ends up winning. But it's a, he has the same, exact same philosophy in in the football club where if he, val- he looks at more analytics and stats and you can tell for the past few years, Brentford have been up there and... Um, what Thomas Frank has done with that club is absolutely amazing. I don't. I didn't think Brentford would get this far in in the championship, really. And even I mean, before the break, I'd he think... took over. He took over from Dean Dean Smith. Yeah. To like um, Dean Smith essentially left Brentford to take his uh, dream. There were two main figures, I think, from the previous season left. Dean Smith left to take over the Villa job because he was a grew up like being a Villa fan. It was like his dream. It was a dream job essentially mm. to become Aston Villa manager. And the other one who left that was key was uh, Neil Morpé, who was you know last season he was their top goal scorer, like their main striker. He left to join Brighton. Obviously, he's doing fairly well at Brighton, and it kind of led to a shift where, um, yeah, like. But I think even though they were doing okay last season, this season it's been like a revelation as far as what the manager's done to that team and that front three and how they've switched it. Well, yeah, they've um, they've expressed that front three, really. Uh, they've let Ollie Watkins, who isn't actually a typical striker, but they've moved him into that striker role and... He's yeah, the formate role and then the formation, you... right? Well, people don't. I think people who do know about what everyone's called BMW. Uh, what was it? Ben Rama. Uh, what's his name? The M. Muembo. Muembo and Muembo and uh, Watkins. Mm. That's technically the Mark II of that formation. Mm. The original BMW was Ben Rama and Watkins on the wing with Morpé yeah. as a striker. Yeah. But moving Watkins into the striker role and it's he's, like yeah, he's, changed he's, it. He's expressed the role really and he's actually become a really good number nine where he scores most of his goals inside the box. I think the only goal to my knowledge was that goal, a screamer against Blackburn you, just before you the might break. Know this, right? Yeah. Has he now taken the top scorer for the championship past he, Mitrovic. I think he has. I think he's on 25 goals and I remember listening to Talk Sport where saying that, yeah, he's actually he's actually exceeded Mitrovic's title at the moment. So, I think he's nailed on top goal scorer of the season. Um, but it'd be, it'd, golden boot. But it'd be exciting for them to actually get promoted where they have... They're not a boring team to watch, really. Um they're an exciting team. Plus, with the players they got, this is it. I think Brentford are sweating because if Brentford don't make it into the Premier League, most of that team, especially that front three, I don't think they can keep hold of that front three because I know a, few, a, few, a fair few teams are licking their lips over Benarama. I've heard Sheffield United were interested in Ollie Watkins in January. And so it it will be hard to keep that team together if they don't make it into the Premier League. Mm, um, definitely. But, but on the other hand, I've just got to congratulate Leeds United. Um, 16 years of hurt, really, of not being in the Premier League. It's finally, they're finally there. And I always thought, 
I, I'm just so glad they didn't bottle it this year because just the thought about Marcelo Bielsa in the Premier League is just is is crazy. One of the most well well known managers around the world. One of the most iconic managers Ooh. around. You say around that the world. right? You say that like iconic in like European football and stuff like that. He's kind of just known as like not like. He's he's known as like an eccentric fucking manager, right? He's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a character, you know, sitting on his box and never like really, you know, like he was known for like you know just constantly like getting into like confrontations with like owners and like stuff like directors of football and stuff like that. And for a while, there was a point where it was like he was almost like you know every team he joined, he'd barely be there for like a year or two before he'd be gone because something didn't go his way or he was unhappy. So his reputation was somewhat known as like like when he joined Leeds, I think a lot of people were like, "Oh fuck, Bielsa! Like this ain't gonna last that long." But to his credit, like you hear about him, like you know, sort of piling this presentation to like essentially apply to work in the UK, like this insane like research he's done on on English football, on Leeds, the club. And he's done a good job in like sort of turning that team into like you know such an effective, effective unit. Like we talked about, like as far as like, I think teams in English football, like Leeds' fitness rate is like got to be off the chart for like how fit that team is. Yeah, like, and I've always I remember watching. I think it was last year, towards the start of last year, they were doing. Um, a documentary about Leeds and they were t- saying that how Leeds were so unfit at the start of the season and then before the first game but and then they ha- they went off to this a magic run where they were smashing teams I think they beat Stoke on the first day of the season like 3-1 which Stoke were supposed to be the best team in the championship and the likely favourites to go up but then towards the end of the season you can see how the style of Bielsa's football made Leeds tired, and that's really why they bottled it last year. But this year they were, they were phenomenal, really, and congratulations to them. But let's go speaking about Bielsa. Um, I know he is a very controversial manager. Um, mo- most managers who I I believe are geniuses, they are controversial. You got Sir Alex Ferguson, the Mourinho's, the Guardiola's. Uh, yeah, Klopp to an extent where he says what he says, and I think I think with like <clears throat> this is the thing with him, right? He was like the coach's coach because a lot of people who would watch football like were just like, I don't get it. Like this guy never like you know has held a job for that long, or it always goes off the rail. You have like some of the like at one point like some of the best managers in like you know Guardiola always speaks highly of him like he's a, like saying he's a fucking genius and then you see like his influence on like Argentinian football and like all the Argentinians who are like ex-players of him who have come up as managers like Pochettino played under him became a really good manager like you know great work with Southampton Tottenham we'll hopefully see him again in the future very soon Diego Simeone who like again former player Argentinian revolutionized Atletico Madrid their most successful manager in years Mm. And uh, Gardello, who um, is the current manager of River Plate, one of the biggest clubs in Argentina. You know what I mean? Like it's his influence as a widespread of people 
and like how you sort of like, you know, this culture of football, you know, it's big when you're looking at like some of the top fucking managers in Europe and thinking, damn, and they also this one nutty, yeah. nutty Chilean dude. just like, yeah, this, I think he's Chilean, uh, isn't uh, he? Yeah. Uh, Argentinian. Oh, he's Argentinian. Yeah, Sorry. He's Argentinian. He, I know he managed the Chile team as well, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's he started at New Low Boys, Atlantis, uh, America, v- I can't even say that. Vera Starfield, Espanol. His inbuilt Argentina. Argentinian football is insane. Argentinian Chile. And you got, I remember, do you remember that game as Man United fans? We should remember that game when we were in the Europa Cup against Atletico Bilbao. And we were thinking, why are we there? And I think it was about two months ago, I watched the highlights of that game and... I remember Ferguson actually saying this Bielsa is actually they Bielsa what at that Bilbao team did against Man United in that Europa Cup game. Ferguson looked at it and thinking, "Wow, how did they beat us?" And then you got Bilbao haven't actually got any players outside the Basque area, so it was a pretty good job to beat a Man United team who. Man United were probably hard done by, but actually being in the Europa League and the way that Bielsa rallied his troops together and made them actually a really phenomenal team. But yeah, at the time, it's, it is a very controversial figure. But for someone like Leeds, you need a manager, manager like Bielsa who actually makes Leeds a powerhouse and this, that and the other and fair play to Leeds. Uh, I think the fan base is incredible. Um it's just now we need now that hopefully they can stay up in the league, which looking at their performance against Arsenal in the FA Cup, I don't think Leeds will actually go down next year, really. I just think they're a very strong team. They've got a very good philosophy and now they're fit they're fit enough to play in the Premier League and I think with the money they receive from finan- uh, not financial fair play from the TV rights, they can actually go out and buy the players they need. I think they do need, they definitely need a striker, um, might need a centre half as well, mm. um, because I think Ben White is uh, he's Ben White's on loan from Brighton. They could probably someone I work with. She's actually uh, well, my manager. She's actually a Leeds fan, and she said, "Yeah, he's on loan from Brighton." Yeah, he is. They're, they're, but they're hoping that he'll sign to Leeds think, now, I like think, because he is, think, uh, he's been good. I think they will try and keep him, um, but they definitely need a striker. I think Ban- Banford, um, a hard worker, not the greatest striker in the world, nah. really. Um, but yeah, I just think the amount of chances he'd had this season and he didn't put in the back of the net is incredible. I think it was like. 45 chances he they created for Bamford and I think he's only scored 10 goals which I did I've have heard a lot of criticism about Patrick Bamford but listen he is still the championship is a hard league and he's had he's had Premier League experience so hopefully he can be up to scratch but if Leeds want to stay in if Leeds can actually be a half decent team in the championship next uh, Premier League next year. I think the striker is what they need. Mm. If you think so. But anyways, um life talking about the championship. Let's get on to the main topic of the day. Um this week we have seen another match week of the Premier League and the race for the top four 
is still very, very, very close. With Chelsea winning against Norwich at home, 1-0. Leicester beating Sheffield United. Was it at home? Or was it? I think it was at home, Leicester. Um, beating Sheffield United 2-0. And Man United just scraping that win against Crystal Palace away. Um, yeah. So, Charlie, what was your thoughts about all of them three games, really? Because now we know Wolves and Sheffield United aren't competing um, for top four no more. So, yeah. now it's the three-horse race yeah, for the yeah. remaining bad for Wolves. positions. They yeah. got a bit hard done by that VAR decision. But what I will say, um, Chelsea Norwich was fairly fucking boring. You know, just I feel like, it, I mean, it's weird, right? Because Norwich have been sort of like a team that I feel despite how bad the results have been, you can't like not knock the fact that at least they were playing attacking football and I like, yeah. try to play very good attacking football. This match, you didn't see any of that, really. It was so compact and defensive. And everyone was... I remember we were on the chat last night, and everyone was asking me, because like, I sort of was saying about this, and they were like, why the fuck would they bother doing that if they're already relegated? I'm like, because you want to think, like, they know they're relegated. they got to leave on some sort of high. Yeah. So if they can scrape a win, exactly. like, at least a win or two, it would have done, done good. But really, it took away like a lot of the strengths of that team and, like, you know, Campwell felt fairly placid. The strikers were like almost non-existent in that match, and I just don't think Chelsea looked that good particularly either going forward. Like I just felt like there was a lot of like Giroud. Like how many chances did he miss, miss in that match? And I've defended Giroud like a lot. You know, thinking he's like you know he's a pretty competent senior striker. And minus the one goal he scored, like he had so many chances that he just didn't convert. Um. I yeah. thought, like, you know, it's just that thing. I thought, like, the team itself, like, could have been better. Mm. Mm. Uh, Leicester Sheffield, I know Chris Wilder pretty much said, like, it was a disappointment that, we, you know, we didn't do anything. You know, we kind of, like, you know, played so badly in that game. And, and you look at the teams, like, Sheffield have got some great results, like, you know, recently, like, you know, beating, um, beating, uh, Chelsea, well, they Wolves. Beat Chelsea, Wolves. Um, and I think to lose to a Leicester team, but we've said Leicester have like kind of put themselves in a weird situation because they're missing so many key players. Like, Madison's pretty much gone, and that's like, well, he's out with injury. Down that is your main, that's your main attacking threat. Like, you know, he is. one defender as well in Johnny Evans. Yeah, the, yeah, and Johnny's like the senior defender in that back four, really. And then you're losing Ricardo and Chilwell to injury, and they're both very good left back, um, good full backs, which don't help. And Soyuncu getting himself suspended for the last matches of the, of the season is just like, well, that ain't fucking good when he's sort of like, you know, your next most solid defender next, besides Evans, really. Mm. So it's like you have less than half a defence and no creative midfielder. Yeah. It's kind of. But you fair, know. fair play to Leicester, how they've rallied, rallied against um, West, uh, not West Brom, Sheffield United, and they managed to pick up the three points because we, I actually said to you, I, 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 I think it would be hard for Leicester to actually pick up points in the remaining yeah. games because they do have Tottenham, which is on well, Sunday. 
Yeah, um, yeah and then they have United. Well, which will be a tough game. Yeah, we, we have to apologise because this is going to be released on Monday or maybe tomorrow. We don't know, but this is going to be released Monday. The Leicester Spurs game is actually tomorrow at half four. So um, you probably know it's the tomorrow. result. Oh, yeah, it's tomorrow. Yeah. But you probably know the result before we do. So um, I, I, th- I, th- then, I, I think that will be a draw, personally. Um, yeah, and then United, Palace, I felt we United got lucky. We got lucky, especially... It was one of them sort of matches, right? Palace have been a team, they have caused us like, trouble in the past, just oh, based yeah. on like their, yeah. their just... formation. Like, they got a lot of... And I always say, like, Palace have got like, a lot of, sort of big, bruisery kind of players and stuff like that, like... I think Man United I have feel been like... found out, personally. I think they have been found out because the game against Southampton, we struggled in, and the game against uh, Crystal Palace, we struggled in because what what, they, what they've what they done so well if they've pressed the defenders. United have been excellent, been playing out from the back. Um, rarely have we ever lose a ball, but as soon as we, uh, we face pressure and we can't get the ball to Fernandes and Pogba, then that's trouble because we well, we could just pass it around. I looked at the Southampton match, right? I looked at the Southampton match, and you look at like how they essentially cut Pogba out of that match because he I like I was watching it. like at one point. Yeah, but mainly Pogba in the like deep line because the problem is right. The idea is, and I think this is where my issue with like a lot of the tactics is like you don't always have to play out from the back. And they were trying to play out to the back. So standard De Gea to like Maguire or Lindelof either go out wide. And then they either go out wide to the fullbacks or they try and go down the middle to Pogba. Pogba was pretty much cut out of that game by Southampton. They were essentially like boxing him out. You could tell by their formation. There was like four, four players just sort of diamond around him to sort of like cut him out. And then they can sort of maybe go take on like the defenders or the fullbacks, like, you know, put pressure on them. I think at one point you see Pogba kind of looking like, what the fuck do I do? Like, you know, I can't, you know, can't do anything. I'm being like, you know, man-marked to shit. And I think it's that it's at that point where it's like, fuck the f- passing out from the back shit. Like, you you know, don't do it now. When you, like, you know, when you're trying, up, you know. When you're up yeah, get, and winning. Yeah, get a little bit more creative in them situations where it's like, all right, maybe a long ball here wouldn't do bad. Like, get out to a fullback or a winger straight away. But that, that's, that's, that's the way you beat a high press as well, is where you actually produce a long ball. And I understand what they're trying not to do. They they do not want to burn out the, the players they've got because Rash, Rashford, Martial and Greenwood, they're very fast, but you don't want them to burn out early in the game. Nah. And that's where we struggle for the part. I think we've, we struggled against uh, Bournemouth with that, with... Um, early parts of the game we struggled against Southampton in the early parts of the game and we struggled against Crystal Palace pretty much most of the game so at the end of the day was going to hurt us and everyone's talking about like it was funny right because everyone's talking about Leicester's lack of depth yeah we're... going into like these this top three rates and Chelsea's lack of depth I said United are the exact same yeah we're... once we that's starting 11 right right now we're shit it's fair... no it's fairly fucking mint it's a yeah, mid starting eleven. Yeah, but we the have bench, got... we have nothing to pull off the bench. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was two changes in the starting eleven for Crystal Palace that really reflected that. 
Fosu Mensa, who fair due to the lad, he ain't played in like three yeah. years or something. Like, well, he ain't played. He ain't played a year of football. I think he was injured most of the season this year, yeah. and he was at Fulham last year. Because, yeah, so he ain't been at United for a while. No, and and he's playing left back where it's not his yeah. ideal position. Um, but you know, you just think if that was sure on the left back role, he we'd be he, seeing way more overlaps. You know, same trying to like, Williams. like it makes passes. Or Williams, yeah, but mm. mainly I'm thinking Shaw because he's been pretty mint recently. Well, yeah, that's. And I think Mensa, like, I kept watching him thinking like. He seems so like unwilling to like get a bit risky and placid. like look, look forward. Yeah, looking for the forward pass. He kept passing back to Maguire, and I was like thinking like, I swear to God, if this fucker like passes back one more time, like it's yeah, this is bad. And and I'm... McTominay, who I think is a solid squad player, right? I like McTominay. Great character, great like player. What I felt he was missing that Matic had was that sort of desire to like drive a little bit more forward well, and you, you know can... sort of look to look for the balls and look for the like the look for the player who's open and stuff like that. Yeah. That was the only thing, like the bench felt placid and then the the subs, you know, there's no impact from the subs. Lingard doesn't bring any impact to that team. If anything he takes away from what like Greenwood would have, which is like that sort of desire to that's, take players on and drive forward. That's why I think personally we need, as a Man United fan, we need a few players. I'd think Matic. I'm glad we re-signed Matic personally because Matic has been key to that midfield, especially when we got Pogba and Fernandez. Um, I just think McTominay needs to learn the holding role like Matic. Mm. Uh, that's not. I don't think that's his desire to actually become a holding midfielder like Matic, but Matic has been perfect. Ever since Matic has been in that position, we've looked solid. And that's that's all down to the credit that man, he's actually been the glue to Pogba and Fernandez. And I think he 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 him out was key. Uh the same as having Luke Shaw out. Um Luke Shaw's been tremendous on the overlap. Um because I don't think Wan Bissaka, he still struggles offensively. Wan Bissaka, I just don't think he has enough confidence. Because you can see most of the game, you notice at the early parts of the game where Wan Bissaka would be running down the line and there'd be no Crystal Palace guard player marking him because one, they know they know his offensive weaknesses, and two, I just they just they just think okay, he he's um. He's not that much of a threat, which he needs to try and d- develop his game in that sense, Wambasaka personally. Um, and also, you just need depth because Dan James is a lovely player, don't get me wrong, but he still, he's still learning the Premier League and he needs to... He, he's been good where teams have been pressing us and where he can, where he can run down the wing... Is incredible. Plus, it, uh, he's a good play. I think he's got, I think he's got about six or seven assists this well, season. Which I think, yeah, I think it's weird because people were criticising his lack of goals, but I was like, his assist record's really good for like, yeah. as a winger. You know, looking for your strikers and stuff, that's pretty solid. I mean, he's only, think... he's only played professional football. This is his second year playing professional football. He he played last yeah. year was his first year in a team, a professional. I think team. with James as well, right. It's like you said, I think the benefit, like people thinking, oh, Greenwood, mate, he's like the new, you know, he's taking James' spot. 
I think. Well, no, there's, there's you can use them like both for like like you said different types of, and this is why I like everyone's moaning like, why would you like want to bring in like someone like a Grealish or another midfielder when they're just going to sit on the bench? It's like you need that rotation. Yeah, you need you need that rotation. Pep rotation is everyone jokes pep rotation, pep rotation. He rotates his teams all the time. How it keeps players fresh? Yeah, and it just means like you have different players. Plus, it keeps players fresh, and because if it can keep just in case there's an injury, the player's fresh. The player's well, confident. He's been playing not week in week out, but he's been playing a considerable amount of game time. So. I well, saw like you said about James. Yeah. He's great against a high line style team because he can, he can, you know, get, he can get that speed, get get a, get a bomb down the wing, great on the counter. But you need sometimes, you, sometimes, and plus his defensive, he's a, he's not a bad defender. His defensive qualities are actually really good for yeah. a, for a winger who's actually played. This is his second year of football. He's done quite well. well what with well, Greenwood though? He he's he's better right now for the deep lying sort of players because he's got that little bit of extra like oomph, like taking men on, like I think you know stepping over the ball, like it's all he's... unbalancing players going either way because you don't know what foot he's going to shoot on. Like he's he's good against the deep lying because he just has that more like he's direct natu- attack. He's a natural the he's a natural finisher, which he is probably the one of the best finishers in the club. Like Martial, fantastic finisher, but Greenwood the. The way Greenwood can bend it with his right, left, know how much power to put on it, how much control he can put on it. Listen, you look at Rashford. Rashford put power in it. And he goes into Rosette. Greenwood go. Greenwood puts power in it. He goes top right corner. You're thinking, he know he his 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 control of a football is incredible. The way he can actually control the the pace of a shot is absolutely magical. And for for an 18 year old, poor ho ho. He's gonna mm. be a he's gonna be a quality player in the future. But the thing is, as a Man United, they don't they have to limit his minutes because you don't want him to burn out too early. You don't want him to get so much hype and then nothing's around him. That's why City have done quite well with Phil Foden. They've they haven't actually put him in so many early games. He's actually had time to develop in and out of games. And you can it's see not the... like it's, it's a situation like where sometimes we want to see like young English players do well, get game time. Yeah, but, but... I get it. There's a lot of managers are thinking like you don't want to like do it like too much too like too much too fast because it's like you can have some like you know bad effects. And I, I think a Greenwood, right? He was like came into this Palace match with like a bit of a knock. And you could tell, like, he didn't look 100%. Like, you know, he, he, his finishing weren't as crisp. He was a bit, like, you know, not as, like, involved in, like, going forward and stuff like that. And I think that's just because he wasn't, like, fully match fit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This, this is what I'm worried about with this lack of rotation deal. I'm thinking, Greenwood, you know, we've seen it happen, man. And I yeah. feel like you look at what I, I, I always bring it up, right? Because I think it's important sometimes. And, and, like, you look at what happened to Rashford last year before the, the restart, before burnt lockdown. Out. Burnt out. He, he burnt out. His body was, like, fucking falling apart because there was no other option on that left wing to play anyone. And you, we tried putting other people in, like mm. fucking Lingard and putting James on the left. Didn't fucking happen. Ollie doesn't have another fucking like, a, a plan B, so it's like, well, I've got to go back to like the old thing of, like, fuck it, Rashford, start warming up, get on there. 
even though he knew that ankle was fucked. And what was it? I think Norwich or something like that, or Wolves. I can't remember what match. He gets fucking tackled badly. That's him. And if we continue the season from there without fucking Rashford, top four would have been even more of a pipe dream than it is now. Because it was like, we found the extent of his injuries, like, yeah, your ankle was like, you got fucking bone fragments floating about, your back's completely fucked, like, you had like a compression fat fracture or something on his back, something ridiculous. And it was like, and I just said, like, when the restart happened, I was like, before the restart, I was like, and all this situation, I was like, looking at, I think I said to you, like, if fucking Ollie doesn't do something quickly, he's going to play this kid to an early retirement. Yeah. Like, you, you can't just, you know, I know Fedu, he's like your star player and like you don't want to be out with your star player, but like, when you know he's in that bad a way, you have to do something else, man. Like, I was getting worried for him because I'm like, you know, he's like only, what, 22 now? Yeah, 22. And it, and, it's, and you just think like, man, you don't want a fucking guy who's like, and again, I'm not trying to diss him because, but you don't want to know like what happened to Danny Welbeck, where Welbeck's injuries essentially took a promising career and fucking, yeah. you know, railed it hard. And it's not just him, you know, like happened to Tammy Abraham for Chelsea with like how bad he was getting like hacked at in the ankles as their main striker. Back mm-hmm. to what, like, you know, and this was before I think Lampard fully wanted to have faith in Giroud. He didn't, you know, back to why he just wasn't up to the job. Kept relying on Tammy. Tammy's legs were fucked. And every time you watched him play, like, you just see, like, Abraham, who's, like, this sort of tall, skinny fucker anyway, trying to, like, run down the fucking middle of the pitch. He just didn't look right. He just looked like he was hobbling, like, 24-7 because his ankles are, like... You know, he was, like, wincing every time he ran because he was, like, in so much pain. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. His managers are going to kill these young players. Yeah, that's... You are right there, um of the Russian situation, but it's at the time Man United were struggling for star players. Pogba was injured, Martial kept on getting injured. Um without Rashford, I think that Man United team was we one, you got no striker, you're gonna have to play Man United anyway. You you take any of the current starting eleven out, right? You then convert into it becomes a very bang average team. Like um, before... not really. The thing the thing is, if you take Pogba out and replace him for McTom- take Pogba and Mc- uh, Matic out and you replace him with Fred and uh, Fred and McTominay, that's still not that bad. Like Fred and McTominay, yeah, played but, really, I... but yeah, but Fred and McTominay yeah. played really well together. Yeah, They're but it good. also takes away a serious extra attacking edge. I feel. Yeah, but personally. we still we still beat City without Pogba and Matic. Beat City. Yeah, but that weren't a great City team we played. To be fair, like, no, no, what would you, what'd you mean? What do you mean, great City team? What do you mean? They were missing the Bruyne, and they were their the defense Bruyne, was fucking. The Bruyne like, was oh, playing. The Bruyne played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck off! Didn't he? Did not in the fucking second one. He did. You had Phil Foden. You had, you had you had Phil Foden, Sterling, Aguero up front. You had Gundogan. Um, Gundogan, De Bruyne, and it wasn't De Bruyne. I'm fucking telling you now, mate. Right, let me look this up. But carry on talking. You look it up. Carry on talking. Go ahead. Yeah, it wasn't De Bruyne. It was a shit defense. It was like what Otamendi, Fernandinho, who's not a defender, Jao Cancelo, and Zichenko. I think it was a fucking dog shit fucking city defense. From from you know. 
And I think this is, you know, you see his problem, man. Like, when they ain't got yeah. Laporte in defence and, you know, well, okay, it's okay. This, this, is a, this is their team. They had Edison, Cancelo, Otamendi, Fernandinho, Zinchenko, Gundogan, Rodri, Bernardo Silva, Foden, Sterling and Aguero. Listen, uh, yeah, fair play, I give you that. But we look at, look at our team, right? Listen to our team. De Gea, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw, Wan-Bissaka, Matt Edge, Fred, Williams, ben- uh, Bruno Fernandes, Dan James, Martial. Look at that team. Who's got the better team? Arguably, well, I think we had a better defence. They had shit defence, though. The front six, I don't think there was like... Yeah, but, yeah, but we've got a left-back. We've got a left-back playing as a left-centre-back. Left um, Which teams have done before? You, you know, you can have like a left centre back and yeah, stuff but, like yeah, that. Yeah, right. but, um, but my my point is, before McTominay got injured, we were actually not that bad. We actually be, we actually fucking drew to Liverpool with Fred and McTominay playing in midfield. No Rashford, no Pogba, no Matic at the time were playing, and we and they they managed to do it. So that was the formation are, thing. A lot of that came down to the formation we played. We played a very like defensive formation. We played back. Yeah. We played a back five. Yeah, but that's the thing. If, matches. if you have players like McTominay and Fred, they can they can keep you the um, they can keep, still get you in game. But anyways, um, enough talking about Man United. Um, this is a race for the top four podcast, so we are getting a bit too carried away. Um, we do apologise. We are Man United fans, and um, sometimes it's nice to let off a bit of steam. Do you know what I mean? It feels like you're we're, we're apologising for being Man United. Yeah, fans. no, not not that. It's just we're just we're just letting off too much steam here. Um, but anyways, Charlie, um, as we said on the start of the podcast, the race for the top four is very very close. Um, there's only literally one point separating Chelsea and Man United, who are on fifth. Um, but Chelsea have got a, a tough few games coming up, really. Um, they're playing... Uh, well, they got away, Liverpool... Away at Liverpool. Next. They're away at Liverpool on Wednesday, which they're playing on... Chelsea are playing against, on Sunday against Manchester United. And Liverpool would have had a week off. And it's week two, remember, for Liverpool after they narrowly lost against Arsenal, which... I haven't actually really said that many years. Arsenal beating Liverpool, but yeah, Arsenal did beat Liverpool. Fair play. So I, 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 I'd probably see a pissed off Liverpool and a pissed off Jurgen Klopp after an embarrassing performance, especially from Virgil Van Dijk and Allison. So it will be a tough game for Liverpool, uh, Chelsea. I mean, and then away um, at home to Wolves. Wolves are a very tough team. You don't know what Wolves you are going to get on their day. I know Liverpool, uh, not Liverpool, Chelsea did beat Wolves away 5-2, but that was at the start of the season when Wolves were a very tired team considering they, they, I think they started off their season in July last year and they're still playing their season. So you got to give credit to where credit's due to that Wolves team uh, for still actually being in the Europa League and competing in the Premier League because um, not many teams go from playing in the Championship to getting Europa to playing from July in the Europa League and still mounting a really good fight for 
um, Champions League spots. And plus, you're still in the Europa League. So Wolves have still got an opportunity to actually make the Champions League, if you know what I mean. Um, but let's go to Leicester. Leicester this year haven't had no Euro uh, Europe competition to compete in. Um, Leicester, at Christmas, they were competing with Liverpool for the title. Uh, there wasn't really much in it between the two teams, but after Leicester lost against Manchester City and then lost to Liverpool on Boxing Day, they took a, a massive decline. And they, they were, were like drawing with Norwich and shit like yeah, that. They had some yeah, they weren't, they weren't the greatest team. Um, oh, just a goal announcement. Stoke a 1-0 against Brentford. Um, oh, Jesus. But, yeah, they, they haven't been... Great since the lockdown. Um, they have only picked up two wins since the lockdown. They've been drawing too many games for Leicester's liking, and it is getting a bit squeaky bum time for Leicester. Um, they're playing away at Tottenham on Sunday, half four Sky Sports. Um, Tottenham will be tough. Tottenham will be very tough. Um, Tottenham's still fighting for a chance to be in Europe next year. And then they're at home to Manchester United, which that could be the decider for fourth place. So, it's going to be tough. And then we talk about Manchester United, who are Manchester United are at home to West Ham. And if you're going on Man United's form at the moment, they've drawn two. I think they've won five, if I'm not mistaken, which I think they're still the only team that are undefeated since the lockdown. I think they're undefeated since the end of January. I think Bruno Fernandes, if I'm not mistaken, have never lost a game in a Man United shirt. That's a fun Currently, fact. no. That's a fun fact. And then at the last day of the season, they are playing against Leicester City, which you better get your popcorn out because that might be a really, really good day of football. I think everyone's playing at four o'clock. So, Charlie... What is your verdict? Who do you think are going to be in the Champions League next year? Uh... Oh, man, this is fucking tough. Because the thing is, right, there's still attempts. I don't want to... Chelsea still have, like, they, you know, they got, like, like you said, two hard games. Mm. It could rail in them two games possibly yeah depending on how on form uh, Liverpool will decide if, if Liverpool decide to show up and if Wolves are like giving it a go to sort of end the season on a high thing is then it's still what man uh, I don't know it's, I'm probably going to say Chelsea and United Ooh. United based on the fact that I think our second to last game is the easiest yeah with West Ham they've been on mad form, but I don't. I still think we could. That West Ham team would be beatable for our our starting eleven. Yeah, and I'm probably gonna say Chelsea. Ooh. I I I'm. I don't, I don't think I... Lam, I feel like they they got enough in their team to sort of beat beat Wolves as long as they stay on form and just keep you know a good. Sort of press, like press, like don't. They can't, you know. As we know about Wolves team, you can't slip up against them because they will just get you, get you on the counter. Yeah, it could, I, I agree. Could with be you. close. I agree with you. Less, um, 
I think Leicester is just the issue right now about teams' injuries could and like people not being there because of like red cards and stuff. It it could affect them. It mm. could affect them, you know. And I don't think, like you said, Mourinho is going to have a plan to to take to counteract them. And I also think it could come down to us and them on the last day. Yeah, just be it'll be tight. It will be very tight. Yeah, very tight. But I, 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 sorry, I agree with you there. I think um, Chelsea are still in the driving seat because they are really Leicester, Leicester have to win both of their next games to actually have a shot. Really, I think if they beat Tottenham, then I'd think it'd be closer than you'd think really um i'd think they'd probably give man united a good good running for but my issue with chelsea is the way they've been performing over the past few weeks um they stroke they lost to west ham which is um demoralizing for one where you lose to west ham when you go i think it was two one up at the time which is the thing is right with these recent chelsea results and they're not too dissimilar to before the lockdown happened. Because mm. there was a weird thing of, like, Chelsea, they'd get, like, sort of decent away wins here and there, and they'd, like, have a shit result at home or something. They'd lose to, like, a, or they'd lose or draw to, like, a probably, like, mid-table side. And you'd be, it was almost like you were looking at it like, what what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> like, yeah. they were, there was, like, no consistency. Yeah. And it's like that again now, where it's like, all right, yeah, they'll, you know sick, lose to West Ham, go on and beat Watford, lose to Sheffield United, they then go on and beat Norwich and all this kind of stuff. And it's like this weird, like, well, uh, no middle ground again. There was another one I'm missing they, from they there should well, have, They should have smashed Norwich, personally. They should have smashed Norwich, really. Um, it was It's disappointing they didn't actually put a few past Norwich because Norwich are done, done and dusted and they, they, they needed... They they were done and dusted, so they're just fighting for pride, really. But I don't know, really. I think I think they would struggle against Liverpool. It all depends on the Liverpool game, really. It all depends on what Chelsea team plays Liverpool and how many got and what is the result in the end of the day. Because if Chelsea lose and both Leicester and Man United win, they'd go two points ahead of Chelsea. Which Leicester and Man United only need a draw against each other. And it's really an issue. And, like then Chelsea, and then Chelsea, Chelsea have got worse goal difference as well. Chelsea goal difference is fifteen. Man United's twenty-eight. Leicester's thirty-one. So you you think right that last week there was this weird opportunity for like so all these teams to like jump above each other and. The results all just were like flaky as shit. Where it was like, Sheffield beat Chelsea, Chelsea stop panicking. Mm. Leicester lose to Bournemouth like badly, yeah. go a man down, all this stuff, and it's like, oh shit, Leicester bowled it. United draw like you know, sort of concede last minute, and all this shit, so stops us from jumping. Chelsea then like are then still safe. Everyone like is probably thinking, what the fuck is going on? Like you know, it's it's so tight and unpredictable right now it's it's insane like no one's really sure what's gonna happen to be fair 
And it generally could be a situation of like, we either, we can't wait to see who. It's like everyone's still waiting to see, like, okay, not who. Like, it's almost like who's going to bottle first and drop points. And if that don't happen, then it goes down to the last day and what happens. And we're all kind of thinking, like, oh man, this is getting fucking scary. Like, like, like I said, squeaky bum time, mate. It's getting that to the to the final fucking day, which I don't think anyone wants because the pressure is really fucking on then. Mm, the pressure would be on. But we'll have to wait and see. So we're both in agreement that we think Chelsea and Man United are going to be in the Champions League next year. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair to say. Yeah. But on that bombshell, it will be time for the podcast to be over. Um, thank you very much, Charlie, for um, another wonderful podcast. Always try. Always try always to. Always try. Always help. try. That's the, that's the stuff. Um, have you got anything else to say to the listeners? Yeah, we'll be back uh, very soon. We'll be talking FA Cup. Uh, going to be going through the semi-finals and talking about what, what we think is going to happen in the final once we find out what the fixture is. And... Yeah, always remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, get involved on the pages, you know, throw us some suggestions, some feedback, always looking to listen to the people who actually do listen to this podcast. And remember to give us a listen on Spotify, on iTunes, and on Anchor. Um, yeah, so uh, from us two on left back on the bench, we have a great day. Um, hope you're staying safe and... See you when you see you. Peace. Layers.